Well, certainly a joy to be before you again this morning. I hope you all missed your chocolate brother from another mother. <laughs> I'm Red Bull excited to preach. I brought my sweat rag this time. I, I left it last time, um, but I'm excited. I do want to give honor to where honor is due. Uh, I want to give much thanks to Pastor Steve for this privilege and opportunity uh, to be before you uh, preaching God's word. If you have your, your Bibles, whether it's on your phone or you got a hard, a hard copy, Go ahead and take it out. We're going to be in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, the first verse. As you all are getting there, just a couple things for those of you who have never sat under my preaching. Uh, African-American preaching is dialogical. That means that there's a conversation that happens between the pulpit and the pew. To put it real simple, if you feel like saying amen at any time, say amen, don't hold your breath. If you want to clap, that's good. That's good practice. We're already on the same page. If you want to stand up and say, brother, that's for me, I'll come and high five you and everybody will know that we're in sync. <laughs> Nevertheless, let's read our text for today. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love the way it sounds. I'll play it back. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. My wife and I recently took a trip to the island of Maui for our 14th anniversary. And one of our most favorite experiences while there was traveling the road to Hana. It's a must do if you ever visit that island. When you travel the road to Hana, you can explore Maui's history by veering off the highway before Malpost 17. And you can kind of see the winding road. It's a, it's a difficult journey. Down the hill, you go to the Kenyan Peninsula where Toro fields still abound in Auntie Sandy's banana bread stand draws people from around the world. As you can tell, I had an intimate relationship with that banana bread. It was so, oh my, oh, it was so good, y'all. I can taste it right now. And, and not only did they have good banana bread, Lindsay, they, they had the, one of the best pork sandwiches, not sandwiches. See, a sandwich is just regular, but a sandwich? <laughs> you drive for a sandwich. That pork sandwich was so good. Oh, I can't wait to get back there to get it again. Right there by Sandy's, Aunt Sandy's Banana Bakery, a friendly Hawaiians wave from their porches. It's a quiet little community that, that has been rebuilt after the tsunami of 1946. On April 1st, at about 2 a.m. Hawaiian time, a 7.4 magnitude earthquake occurred not far from Alaska. Five hours later, the giant waves resulting from the seafloor movement struck the north shore of Maui, wiping out everything on the kingdom except for the Congregational Church. This small stone church, built in 1856, withstood the force of the giant tidal wave. It was the only thing that did. Houses, fields, people, all destroyed. People that experienced the destructive force on April 1st recall being warned by friends or loved ones that, that something was happening, but not believing that at all. People were recalled saying, you won't fool me on April Fool's Day, they exclaim. Similar stories appear across broad, according to the University of Hawaii Center of Oral History. 
It was a tragic day in Hawaiian history. But friends, not sure if you caught it, if you let it slip right by you, if you allow that car to just zoom past you. But a little church withstood the force of a tsunami. A tsunami have waves as high as 70 feet tall, moving at 500 miles per hour. A tsunami wipes out everything that's in its path. But I couldn't help but believe that God left that church standing as to make his own statement. Nothing falls if I'm holding it up. I'm going to play that back. You missed your shout. <laughs> Nothing falls if I'm holding it up. The reason you're still standing and in your right mind and made it to church this morning is not because you're so strong and you're so wise and you're so smart. No, it's because God has been holding you up this entire pandemic and Bethel Church is still in existence because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ever think or imagine. Nothing short of the hand of God kept that church but friends, there's another tsunami on the way. The earthquake has already been felt as culture and even churches become more hostile towards real Christians in America. This is less there is less common ground on the nature of sin, God, life after death, justice, and the list goes on. And what the world needs it's not bigger churches, but more disciples of Jesus Christ. Let me make it plain. The world doesn't need bigger churches. No, the world needs authentic, real disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So I want to preach from this thought. The grace to be a disciple. The grace to be a disciple. It's important that we first Realize and understand that Jesus Christ himself took discipleship serious. Jesus had millions of followers. Yes, Jesus had all kinds of people follow him. Jesus had crowds everywhere. He preached to the masses. If Jesus was alive today and he had social media, I'm talking about IG, the book, TikTok, Twitter. If he had that, Jesus would be blue check certified and he'll have millions of followers. Can you imagine if Jesus was alive today? All, all the Facebook live posts that we would see. And you know what, what, what miracle I believe? This is just me. You believe what you want to believe when it's your turn to preach. But, but this is what I believe. I believe the miracle that would have went viral. Y'all just keep looking at me. I don't want no folks judging you after I say this. Just look at me. I believe the miracle that would have made Jesus go viral is when he turned water into wine. That's just me. That's just me. Don't judge me. Don't judge me. But that's, that, that miracle right there would have had lines around the corner. Oh, how about Cats trying to react the resurrection of Lazarus. I can just see it now. But Jesus took discipleship serious, and instead of entertaining the crowds and entertaining the followers, he often dismissed them. He, also, he often subtracted, and he spent the bulk of his time in ministry pouring into his disciples because Jesus understood the importance and the priority of discipleship. And we so-called Christians cannot afford to be spiritually lazy in 2021. 
gone are the days of relying on the assumption that people agree with your spiritual Christian framework. People have questions about Christianity and politics. Out of context scripture references will not work. Old Christian cliches will not work. People have questions about Christianity and race. People have questions about Christianity and marriage. People have questions about your Bible and their sexual identity. And gone are the days of ignoring these things. Every generation and every culture needs the voice of God to be heard and the heart of God to be felt. And we Christians need to know our God and we need to know his word. We need to be faithful witnesses, not just in the church, but in the beauty salon. We need to be faithful witnesses at the Walgreens in the convenience store, which is Speedway. We need, to be, we need to be faithful witnesses at the tomato bar. We need to be faithful witnesses at our schools and at our jobs. We need to be faithful witnesses because every generation and every culture needs to hear the voice of God and they need to feel the heart of God. Christians are to engage the culture, not run from the culture. But we must also realize before we amen, we must realize as we engage the culture, our presence will not always be welcome, nor will our beliefs be accepted. And friends, when the ground under your feet begins to shake, you want to be sure, listen to me, that you're standing on the solid rock. As the song goes, Christ, the solid rock I stand, all other ground is Oh, y'all been in church, I see. Okay. All right, all right. We're going to get somewhere this morning, Dustin. I think we're going to make it. In our text today, Paul wants Timothy to be sure he has his discipleship in order, that he might be able to stand and withstand the forces of evil that are trying to pull him away from Christ. Because within the context of our text today, uh, in, in the context of our text today, many people are falling away from Jesus. There was a spiritual landslide. You see, somehow we have let the truth lose, somehow we have loosened the grip of the truth that discipleship costs. Make no mistake about that. Following Jesus, denying self, taking up your cross, these are not cute little sayings in the Bible. Walking in step with our Lord, with all believing and, and praying and giving and loving and serving that is involved. This is the first and most basic aspect of the Christian discipleship. Being a disciple of Jesus cost. And Jesus is clear to us all. All of his followers in the gospel. Hey, you? Yes, you. You want to follow me? If you want to follow me, I need you to know that it's going to cost you. Discipleship with me leads you into uncomfortable situations. Yes, the, 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 the symbol of Christianity is not a pillow, it's a cross. Hello, this is going to cost you. And just in case you thought I was lying and you think that I'm making this up and you're like, no, pastor, you see how comfortable these chairs are? What are you talking about? Let me, let me, let me bring you to Luke chapter 14, verse 26. Luke preached to God's people. Here's what Luke says. If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother and wife, pause, let me give some context. 
lest you think that it's okay to hate your, your spouse or, or your wife. That's not what Jesus is saying, all right? He's not saying that. He's saying your love in comparison, your love for him in comparison to your love for your father and mother should be like hate. Father and mother and wife and children, brother and sister, yes, even their own life. Here it comes. Watch it. Such a person cannot be my disciple. I didn't say it. Jesus did. It costs to follow Jesus. And our desire for you here at Bethel is more than just coming here every Sunday. And we want you to be more than pew warmers. Y'all remember them hard wooden pews? I'm so glad we passed them days. That was some, you had to be a real believer to sit in them all every Sunday. I mean, come on, you had to be sanctified. Them, them, them pews, that was, see, I knew everybody who went to church with hard pews. I know y'all believe No, I'm just messing around. I'm just joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. But we want you to be more than pew warmers. We want, we want more for you than just singing along with us on Sunday. Instead, our hope is that you would embrace all the life Christ has for you. Embrace all the life he died to give you. There's so much richness to the Christian faith. There's so much richness to the Christian life, and we want you to have all of it, not just some of it, all of it. Being a fully mature disciple as you walk with God in this life is not an easy task. But you just can't walk in on Sunday with God and leave him when you leave. But our desire for you as a leadership according to the word of God is for you to become fully functional disciples of Jesus. And that is the call upon us today in this text. The mission of the church and the responsibility of this local leadership is to make fully functional disciples of Jesus. But not only is the leadership called to make disciples in this text, but they are to be disciples as well. In other words, the leadership shouldn't be calling you to do something that they're not willing to do themselves or, or, or something that they're not actively doing. But both making and being disciples is hard work. And both requires nothing short. Listen to me, church. Lean in on this. It requires nothing short of God's powerful working grace in your life. But what does grace have to do with discipleship, pastor? How does grace and discipleship correlate, pastor? Let's explore that question today. Grace brings us into discipleship. Let's look at the verse again. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Come on, Paul, preach. You see, verses like this are powerful because often people think grace is just God forgiving your sin. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for forgiving grace. But it doesn't just give us power to be forgiven of our sins, but it then turns around and gives us power to overcome sin. So people think we need grace to start our walk with Jesus and then human effort there then after to continue this Christian life. This is after grace has covered our sin. It gives us power to live victoriously over sin, the devil in hell. You see, it will be harder for us to be a faithful disciple without understanding God's grace. You see, not only are we saved by grace, but according to 2 Peter 3.18, we are to grow in grace. And if that's not enough, grace is the key ingredient to becoming a fully functional disciple. Let me put you up on game real quick. You need to have a holistic understanding of grace. 
Grace motivates us to serve God, according to 1 Corinthians 15, 10 and 2 Corinthians 9, 5. Grace also sustains us in trials. It keeps us when the wind is blowing and the waves are hitting up against you and when the smoke clears and you see that you're still standing, that's grace. When we are needy, we are invited to the throne of grace and I'm so glad that it's not a throne of justice but a throne of grace. Friends, grace is critical to you becoming, staying, and growing as disciples of Jesus. I need to run that back because I need you to get that. Friends, grace is critical to you becoming, staying, and growing as disciples of Jesus. Without grace, it is impossible for you to remain or even become a disciple of Jesus. Without grace, it is impossible for you to become or remain or grow as a disciple of Jesus. Play it back, Pastor. It is impossible for you to become, remain, and grow as a disciple of Jesus. Play it back, Pastor. It is impossible for you to remain, stay, or grow as a disciple of Jesus apart from grace. And grace births us into discipleship according to Ephesians 2. By grace you have been saved. This is not by your own works. The moment we trust in Jesus as Savior, God covers all of our sins, the, to the totality of them, past, present, and future. And we need to be reminded that we didn't save ourselves. If you're anything like me, I need to be continually reminded that, Dexter, you did not save yourself. And I believe this is critical because what we believe about our salvation past will dictate what we believe about our salvation present and future. And if you think you saved you, then you'll walk this walk in a continual state of trying self-preservation, pulling yourself up by your bootstrap, thinking that the power to remain a disciple is in you somehow, or to become that God loved you because of your own goodness. Christian maturity isn't who's the most independent, but who's the most dependent. Mature Christians are marked by their dependency on God, not their independency of God. And the enemy loves to make us think we can live this Christian walk apart from grace. Some promote discipleship through legalism, which only makes prideful disciples who think that they're better than everybody else. And we all get people in our lives, don't look at them, that think that they're better than everybody else. They think that somehow they arrived at some degree of holiness because they can exegete scripture or they can parse verbs. Whoop-dee-woo, good for you. But for the rest of us, we're going to depend on grace. The, other, the, the, the others turn the grace of God into a billboard that promotes and supports their sin. By doing so, they deny the work of the Spirit and the Lordship of Christ. But grace, support, but, but, but grace supports neither of these because God doesn't give power to those who deny their need of him. And God doesn't give power to enable the things that he hung, dead and, hung, bled, and died for. But God does give grace to become his disciple. And we are God's disciple, not because we are good, because he is good. We're not God's disciples because we are good. We are his disciples because he is good. Pastor reminded me of this. I learned this lesson from a movie that I used to love to watch. And I know some of y'all going to know what I'm talking about. Anybody remember Dennis the Menace? 
Y'all don't remember, if, if your child don't know about Dennis Diminish, you're doing bad parenting. You, your child ought to know about Dennis Diminish. I used to love Dennis Diminish, but Dennis was a terror. Dennis was horrible. Dennis was so bad. Dennis was so bad that the guy who kidnapped him couldn't do nothing with Dennis. Dennis was, man, Dennis was bad. And see, and what Dennis would do is he would go over to Mr. and Mrs. Wilson's house and he would cause all kinds of havoc. I remember him. He used to shout, Mr. Wilson. And Mr. Wilson used to hate when Dennis came over. And one day, Dennis' friend scratches his head and he says, Dennis, you know what I don't understand? I don't understand why Mrs. Wilson is so good to you. I don't understand why she bakes you cookies and allow you over her house. You bad, man. I don't get it. Help me out. And Dennis preaches to his friend and he preaches to him. Dennis looks at his friend. He squares his shoulders. He looks him in his eye and he says, Mrs. Wilson is not good to me because I'm good. Mrs. Wilson is good to me because she's good. And friends that are preached, God is good to you, not because you're good. God is good to you because he's good. You ought to know the goodness and the graciousness of God. Yeah, she was not nice to Dennis because of his goodness, but good to Dennis because of her goodness. But grace doesn't just stop at making you a disciple. Grace continues by keeping you in discipleship. If you've been walking with Jesus, come on, let's just drop our church mask for, for, for a minute. I know you're holy, I know you know your scriptures, but let's just drop the church mask for just a second and get real and get honest. If you've been walking with Jesus any amount of time, it could be three seconds, you have already discovered how easy it is to get distracted, amen, somebody. Distracted, pulled away, dragged away, however you wanna define it, following Christ, it's very, 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 very hard. And to remain with Jesus is even harder. Let me just put it plain. Walking with God is hard. And in this verse, Timothy and Paul, what I love about this verse is that Timothy and Paul, it's as if they pull up a chair at the same table with God's people in 2021. And they say, we want to sit at the table with you. We want to commune with you. We want to relate to you. We want you to feel that we feel what you feel right now in 2021. Here in this verse, there is something very relational about this verse. If you can slow down long enough, you can catch it. Let's look at the verse one more time together. You then, my son... Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Come on, pastor, preach this sermon. I want you all to zoom in on the word you. In verse one, the you is emphatic. The idea is Paul is like, listen, I'm aware of what is happening around you, Timothy. I know a lot of folks are leaving the gospel, Timothy. I know people are saying they don't believe in the resurrection of Jesus and all those who do, they're fools. I know people are, uh, no longer believe that Jesus is coming back. I know folks, Timothy, are running and turning to human works to be saved, yet there's no fruit in their life. Timothy, I am aware, Timothy, I know, and you know that I know that I'm walking this walk with you, Timothy. I know you feel the headwind 
you are up against, Timothy. We are going against the grain, Timothy. And I know that it sucks sometimes to go in the opposite direction of the culture, Timothy. We are going in the opposite direction of the Pharisees and the religious leaders. And you see me standing here, Timothy, for the gospel in spite of all of that. Because I believe, Timothy, that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for both Jews and Greeks. Doesn't matter if you're black, doesn't matter if you're white, doesn't matter if you're Latino, doesn't matter if you're Asian. I believe that the gospel saves souls, Timothy, and all kinds of people are turning away from faith and age of Timothy. And I know, I know, Timothy, I'm with you. But can you hear Timothy? I can kind of hear Timothy, and this is me using my exegetical imagination, but I can imagine Timothy saying, I hear you, Paul. I hear all of that. I hear you telling me to stand. I, I, I hear you. But, 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 Paul, have you seen the FB memes lately? Have you seen the TikTok videos about crazy Christian these days? Have you seen it, Paul? I'm tired of being the outcast. I'm tired of being the one that's holding the flag. Have you ever been in a situation where you're the only one that's seen it, or it feels like you're the only one that still believes in the resurrection, still believe in the blood, still believe in a risen Jesus? Have you ever been alone in that situation? And this is what Timothy is feeling. And Paul, I'm trying. Oh, I'm pulling, Paul. I'm trying hard to stay in the faith. I'm trying hard to remain a disciple. But Paul, can I be honest with you? I know that you're an apostle and you heard directly from Jesus, but can I be honest for a moment that I'm tired, Paul? Yeah, I'm tired. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want to quit some days, Paul. I want to give up some days, Paul. It doesn't seem like it's worth it. And Paul replies to Timothy with this. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. See, you didn't shout. The reason why you didn't shout is because oftentimes we forget that it is grace that is pulling for us more than us pulling for us. And so here it is, Paul says, Timothy, be strong in the grace that's in Jesus. Now, had he said, be strong, we would think that Paul is telling Timothy to produce strength, to pull himself up by his own bootstrap, that somehow that Timothy is some kind of macho man or Timothy has something that we don't have. If Paul would have said, just be strong, we would have thought that Paul was giving Timothy a self-motivation speech. Like, Timothy, I know you. You're a bad boy. I seen what you can do, Timothy. You bad, Timothy. Go ahead, Timothy. You got this, Timothy. No, Paul doesn't say that. He tells Tim where the power is located that will enable him to remain a disciple of Jesus. He says, be strong in the grace that is in Jesus. In other words, the power you need is located in Jesus. I figured you all need some help, and so I brought some. Go on back over to Hawaii with me real fast. During my time in Hawaii, me and my wife, we rented a bike called a tandem electric bike. A tandem electric bike. That's what I was cruising on, y'all, in Hawaii. Bad brother, wasn't I? Had my shorts on and everything. Had my wife, you know, on the other seat. I was looking real good down there in Hawaii, like that, driving right there and there. And we found this shop online. It was called Hawaiian Cruisers. Loved it, y'all. So me and my wife had planned this. And so we got up one morning. We drove down there. And we met this guy at the shop. Real nice guy. Cool. If you ever go, got to check him out. Real smooth guy. And so we talked to him a good while. He pulls out a map of the island, and he shows us 
where we are and where the bike path is. I say, thank you, man. I appreciate that because I had no idea where I was. And he tells us to stop here and stop there. And, and then he talks and he says, you got to try this and you got to try that. I'm like, how much money do you think I got, man? I can't stop at all these places. Now you, you, you going to get to the front? And no, he didn't. And he tells us to stop here, stop there. And then he takes us outside. And this is when it gets good, y'all. He takes us outside. And you don't know, as a preacher, you're always looking for sermon illustrations. So I'm listening, but I'm also looking for sermon illustrations. Just being honest. And he explained the bike to us. And he says, now listen, likely you guys are going to encounter a headwind on the way back. But on the way there, you'll have a tailwind. And the power that you produce going there by paddling will be sufficient going there. But he said on the way back, the power you are producing from paddling will not be enough because of the headwind in the heels. I said, well, go ahead. What are you trying to say? He, he, said, he says, you don't have to worry about the headwind because the battery will empower this bike to go faster. He said, this battery pack is full. All you got to do is twist the throttle and it'll go 20 miles per hour. And then he looks me in the eye, y'all, and he says, now, young man, don't try to be macho, man. Rely on the battery. I'm like, you're going to say that in front of my wife? You see these legs on me you don't know what these legs can do you ain't seen these legs in action and so here he, is. he said and you know my wife rolls her eyes at me and I'm like oh y'all teaming up together no I'm just messing around and I said thank you man that'll help me preach I got to go and listen y'all he wasn't lying on the way there there was a tailwind we barely used any of the battery power it was all legs it was us Paige and I producing our own power but when we changed directions do you guys hear me when we changed directions the headwind was strong and Paige and I used the battery the whole way back because the power we were producing was not enough for what we were up against and we needed another power outside of us. And friends, this is what happens when we become disciples of Jesus. We change directions. We repent. We don't think the same. We don't believe the same. And so the tailwind that we had when we were going with the world, when the world was encouraging us in our sinfulness, in our debauchery, we could get by by our own power because we all know being a sinner is very easy, but being a believer is very hard. And we encounter our a headwind, but I'm so glad that God already calculated the headwind because he put another battery down in the inside of you called the Holy Spirit, and if you would depend on it, it'll get you against the headwinds and the waves and the hills that you're up against. He put a battery in there, and you say, I'm going to just pedal harder. The harder you pedal, the more you're going to find that you don't have the power within you. you got to depend on the power that is in Jesus, the Jesus who left heaven and came down 42 generations, who walked on water and healed the blind and fed 5,000 and kept the 12 even when they did not want to be kept. It is that Jesus that you have got to depend on if you want to be a fully functional disciple of Jesus. Do you hear me in this place that you have got to depend on Jesus and Jesus? Jesus alone. You ain't got enough power within yourself to go up against the devil, the hell, and the world. You ain't got enough power, but God got enough power for all of us. He'll never run out and he'll never run dry. This is why the Bible says that the blood will never lose its power. I don't know what your, your song is going to be, but my song is going to be grace, grace, and more grace. You say, okay, pastor, you got me. You got me. Okay, you're right, you're right, you're right. The power is not in me. I got that. That's good. 
And pastor, you really helped me out when you said it was located in Jesus. I see you're a smart guy. I see that master's degree has been working for you a little bit. But, 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 but hold on, pastor. But I'm smart too. And you know what you didn't answer? You didn't tell me how I can access that power once I find that power. Oh, that's a good question. Well, I came ready for you. You'll be saying, how do we access that power? Well, how do you access any power outside of yourself? How does a car battery access power from the alternator? How does a light bulb access power in the house? How do I access power, just keep looking at me, from the carbs that I eat every day? Just keep looking at me. Don't nobody need to know your business. That's between you and the Lord and your body. No, I'm just messing around. But it's real simple. It's not hard. It's real simple. You access it through connection. When Jesus died on the cross and he rose from the dead and we put our faith in him, he united us to God. And now that we're united to God, all the power is already available. We just need to grow in our connection with God. That is, we need to grow in our discipleship with him. That, that, that means we need to grow in abiding in him. That means we need to grow in, in relying on the power that God gives. This is why the Bible says that we must grow up in discipleship. We must grow up in grace. And so, so grace not only gives you the power to, to be saved or to stay saved, but grace also gives you the power to grow up in Jesus. Now, we don't just stay a disciple as in just holding the title to say, whoop-de-doo, I believe in Jesus and I'm a disciple and that's good for you. But we want you to, we want you to, we want to see progress. Being a disciple is an active thing, not a passive thing. You see, we ought to be growing in our discipleship. However often, can I be honest, can I be real? However often I found in being a pastor, the thing people are least concerned about is their spiritual health. I need to slow down here because we care more about our clothes and hair than our discipleship. We care more about our romantic relationships than our discipleship. We care more about our TikTok and our FB and our IG more than we care about our discipleship. We care more about making money and owning businesses and retiring than our discipleship and those things are not bad. But we even pass it on down to our kids we are more concerned about our son and daughter keeping their eye on the ball than on Christ. Sports are more important than Jesus. We are more concerned about them getting a good education than knowing Christ. And I'm not saying those things are bad because my kids are definitely involved in those things. But what I am trying to say, at some point in your Christian life, discipleship has got to be a priority. And we, the body, need to encourage each other to grow up in Jesus. Amen, somebody. If you can't say amen, say ouch. At some point, you must make discipleship a priority. If you want to grow in discipleship and you're tired of seeing the same old strongholds, the same old sin, the same old cycles in your marriage, you have got to grow up in discipleship. And it will require from you, church, commitment and consistency. Commitment and consistency. You have got to invest in your own discipleship. It requires a devotion to God. Watch what he tells Timothy a few verses down. No one serves as a soldier, gets entangled in civilian affairs. 
but rather tries to please his commanding officer. What is driving the devotion? What's driving the devotion is the one in whom the disciple or the soldier is trying to please. My question to you this morning, who in the world are you trying to please? Is it people or is it God? If it's God, then you're, you're, you're wholly committed to being his disciple. And the word is saying as a disciple of Jesus, you don't get sidetracked. That is a reminder that if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you must have undivided devotion to God. Now, this doesn't mean we don't get involved in things that oppress people. It doesn't mean that we don't fight for freedom. It doesn't mean that we don't fight for justice. Yes, we care about the widow and the fatherless and the unborn. We don't just we don't just bury our nose in the Bible. Yes, we fight for the poor. Why do we do these things? Because God cares about those things. In addition to that, we also remain wholeheartedly committed to a pure gospel. Yes, he died. Yes, he bled. Yes, he got up. Yes, he's coming again. Yes, he died. Yes, he bled. Yes, he got up. Yes, he's coming again. Yes, he died. Yes, he bled. Yes, he got up. Yes, he's coming again. Play it back, preacher. Yes, he died. Yes, he bled. Yes, he got up. Yes, he's coming again. And every now and again, you got to drag yourself to the mirror and remind your own soul. Yes, he died. Yes, he bled. Yes, he got up. And yes, he's coming again. I can't go anywhere else. Where else is hope but in the Lord Jesus Christ? And no, there is no other way to the Father except through Christ. But if we will remain faithful to these things outside of just inside of the church, but when we face the world, we must grow up in our discipleship. But pastor, what is discipleship? Pastor, you haven't explained to us what discipleship really is. I'm going to put it real simple. It deserves its own sermon, but I'll try to make it plain for you. Here's what discipleship is. It's real simple. It's simply observing all that Jesus has commanded us. Or conforming one's life to Christ. Or you can say it this way. Discipleship is nothing less than tracing your life after Jesus. And y'all, I came up with trace because I've been learning a whole lot about tracing. And I want to preach to y'all about trace grace. Oh yes, trace grace. Y'all know I was a lyrical poet, but there it is. I've learned a lot about tracing thanks to my four-year-old. All this girl does is trace all day long. She traces letters and she traces numbers. We were sitting at the table the other day. I was helping her trace. See, see, tracing is different than creating. She's not making up numbers or letters. No, that's not what she's doing. Instead, all she has to do is follow the dotted line. Yes, Lila, put the pencil on the dotted line, Lila, and trace. Move, Daddy. I know what I'm doing. No, you don't, Lila. You don't know what you're doing. Let Daddy help you. Put the pencil on the dotted line. No, Lila, you don't get to make up numbers. Put the pencil on the dotted line and trace the number and trace the letter. And friends, Jesus is our dotted line, and he's the one that you and I should be tracing. But you know what? My daughter, she doesn't always trace correctly. I recall one time her teacher met with us to give Paige and I an update on her numbers and her letter development. And she shows my wife and I this paper. She holds it up, y'all. And the teacher's real, real uh, smiling. She's proud. She says, look, Lila's doing a good job. 
I looked at that paper and I looked at her. I said, no, you're not doing a good job. I didn't send her to school to scribble. I sent her to school so y'all can develop her and her letters and her numbers. And that don't look like a number. She said, no, Mr. Harris, you're missing the point. Look closer at the paper. You see this paper? We call this in preschool controlled scribble. We can see the letters and the numbers starting to form in her writing, although not perfectly, but a closer look, and I can tell, and I took a second look at it, and I can see a five piercing through the dark, and I can see an L piercing through the dark, and I can see an I piercing through the dark, and I can see an A piercing through the dark. And friends, that's you and I when we walk with Jesus. We don't walk perfectly with Jesus. Sometimes we're wobbling, sometimes we're shaking, but at the same time, if you look close enough, you'll start to see some controlled scribble in our lives. You'll start, be, you'll start to see the grace to trace because friends, as, as I begin to look at your life, I should start to see a J piercing through the dark, an E piercing through the dark, an S piercing through the dark, a U piercing through the dark, and an S piercing to the dark. As the more you walk with Christ, the more we ought to see you grow up in his image and conform into his likeness. This is the grace to trace. It's scary sometimes, right? Because sometimes we don't trace perfectly. Sometimes we are out of the line. Sometimes our pencil goes this way. Sometimes our life goes this way. But this is what grace is for. The same way that I steadied the hand of my daughter and reminded her where the dotted line was and I began to show her how to trace. I gave her trace grace. And friends, God wants to do the same thing with you. Although you don't hit the mark the way that you should, although you, you mess up sometimes, God wants to give you trace grace, the, the, the ability to, to follow the dotted line. And where is the dotted line? The dotted lines is the 66 books of the Bible. And as a church, we want to see you develop in your your numbers and your letters. And one day you'll be reading and one day you'll be writing. But at some point you have got to get in a place where you can learn how to trace. And this is why we have women of the word. It's not that we're making up letters and numbers. We're teaching people how to trace. This is why we have verge. We're teaching students how to trace. This is why we have rooted we're teaching young adults how to trace. This is why we have Sunday mornings, because we're teaching people how to trace. Trace the 66 books of the Bible. Trace the life of Jesus. And if you're in this place and you're saying, I don't want to be the same Christian I was 10 years ago, I'm ready to develop in my writing. Friends, I'm telling you that there is grace to trace. And if you would be committed, because God is already committed to you, and this is what I love about the end, towards the end of the chapter of Timothy, he says, even when we are not faithful, God is faithful. Friends, God is faithful to your development. The way that the Philippians put it is he who has begun a good work in you will bring it to completion. God is committed to your tracing. And friends, we thank God that God has not left us without a tracing book, but that he's made the dotted lines. And now all you and I have to do is be committed. Friends, as a church, we're committed to helping you to learn how to trace.
when you leave this place, there's gonna be plenty of tables out there with various ministries this fall, from Rooted to Verge to small group. All these teachers put in place to help you to trace. So that come 2022, your marriage will not be in the same place. Come 2022, your role and your fruit and your character at work will not be the same. Come 2022, people will begin to see controlled scribble in your life. And they'll begin to see the J in the E, in the S, in the U, in the S, beginning to develop in your life. But remember, discipleship costs. It's not easy. It's not for the faint of heart. But you, Bethel Church, be strong in the grace. 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 He will complete his work in you. Be strong in him. We know where the power is. It's not in our pedaling. It's in the battery. And remember, he loved you when you were Dennis the Menace. And so he'll love you even more now that you're his child.